Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Mickey Rourke Talk. My name is Shane A. Bassett, your host, the movie analyst, and uh, this is the podcast where I discuss the career of Oscar-nominated actor Mickey Rourke, also known as Philip Andre Rourke Jr. and Sir Eddie Cook. Today's two movies are very different, they're many years apart, but they both feature Mickey Rourke in what I'd like to call cameos. One is definitely a cameo, and the other is a bit of an extended cameo. So without much further ado, let's get into it. Movie number one from 2001 is They Crawl. In a city where the strange rule, Detective Gina O'Bannon has seen it all. What's the story? This body was dumped here. But now, a series of suspicious accidents. All of his internal organs, gone. What do you mean, gone? Have left her city in ruins. I have some answers you might not like. I don't think you believe a word you're saying. And Ted Gage may be the only one. This military intelligence. Who can help her find the link to the real killers. Meet the spy of the 22nd century. Very large. Oh, yes. You better believe it. I think there's more to your brother's death. Do you know something we don't? This lady, you don't know who I am. Who else did you think it was for? Uncle Sam, man. Why are you doing this? For the cult? No! They crawl. We human beings were an interesting species. I mean, me personally, I'd just rather be a cockroach. Look for it on video and DVD. Mother of God. <laughs> uh, hang on a minute. Why are you laughing? Hang on. All right, all right, I get it, I get it. It's a movie about cockroaches. Okay, okay. Now, how I'll begin this is, yes, it's a movie about cockroaches that are killer cockroaches organised by a cult. Yeah, it is out. It is definitely as outrageous as it sounds. Right at the bottom of the end credit roll, it says Crawlers, Inc. Now, I always sit and watch all the credits on every movie I watch, no matter what, even if I've seen it before, I generally keep the credits going if I'm watching it on my TV, on the laptop. And if I'm in the cinema, well, that's even better because the music's still running. The movie's not over until the lights come up and the screen goes black. I have always stayed until the end credits. You never know what you're going to read or see. And I'm not talking just about extra scenes, which uh, often happen long before Marvel did them and, and trained a certain generation to stay in cinemas and wait for an extra scene. Other movies were doing it all the time. So, you know, that's not a new thing. Anyway, what I learnt at the end of the credits of They Crawl, well, I think I learnt it, I'm not too sure, because it said Crawlers Inc. Crawlers Inc. could have been the name, just maybe might have been the name of the original shooting title of this film, but I have no idea. Only John Allardyce would know, I guess, because he is the man who directed 
they crawl. His only movie, it was his only movie as director. So he has one director's chair with his name on it. There you go. He's a visual artist, though, very accomplished. Uh, and he certainly showed some early CGI flair here. But you know what? Most recently, he worked on Top Gun Maverick. That is, at the moment, currently, as it stands, the number one box office movie of all time. And I'm not just saying the number one box office movie of 2022, but the number one box office movie of all time. And the special effects and the CGI and what have you in that film was pretty fantastic. And John Allardyce worked on it, the director of They Crawl. The story itself, I mean, it's really just a detective tale with cockroaches and a worship cult as side plots. Hordes of cockroaches, actually. And, as mentioned earlier, they are programmed to kill by cultists. This movie is outrageous, completely watchable, though, but in a sense that you might need a few beers while you're watching it to enhance proceedings. And as a bonus, now this is a bonus on my behalf, and I have seen this before, but I have not seen it for a long time, so I did not know what was coming exactly, and I didn't know this particular scene was coming, and I love a good autopsy scene. A decent autopsy scene in a movie does it for me. I don't know why, if it's realistic, if it's gruesome, if there's a conversation around the dead body on the, on the <laughs> slab or the table or whatever they call it, I love it. And this one has a speech and a very good autopsy scene around it. So, yeah. One highlight of They Live. Well, not They Live. Apologies, John Carpenter fans. They crawl. That is a little bit of The Pursuit of Happiness. I'm an adult now. That is one of my favourite songs. Well, at least in my top 20 all-time favourite songs. I'm an adult now. Well, as an adult watching this movie, I certainly look at it differently than I did when I was a little bit younger. I own a couple of copies of it on DVD, actually. I think I bought the second copy, so if it did actually go out of print or you couldn't find it anywhere or whatever, uh, I wanted that second backup copy of they crawl. It is, however, a part of a double feature DVD. Now, I'm not a big fan of buying movies that have more than one movie on the disc. I don't know what it is. I would just rather the DVD to have its single cover and the artwork and everything without this uh, two movies squeezed onto one cover. Anyway, the, uh, the second movie on They Crawl DVD is Buried Alive, the 1990 absolute shocking thriller horror film buried alive starring tim matheson jennifer jason lee hoyt axton the dad from gremlins of course and one of my all-time favorites jennifer prettyman i don't see enough of jennifer prettyman but uh whenever her name pops up in the credits of a film i want to watch it back to they crawl during the opening credits all the actors' names play out as they do. They flash on screen and then they fade out and flash on screen and fade out. It comes up to, and Mickey Rourke. 
I think it's kind of like a guest star on a TV series or a guest credit in a movie because it says, and Mickey Rourke. So it highlights he's in the movie, but uh, you're kind of thinking, is he? Really? Especially when you're watching it. But you do actually spot him before you see him in the flesh. He plays the character of Tiny Frakes. Yes, that's his name, Tiny Frakes. And we first see Tiny, well, we see his photo in a newspaper clipping at around the uh, 22-minute mark of the film. Uh, In the early stages of the movie, he's described as the leader of a cult called Trillion. There is a, a dramatic name, if I've ever heard one, a cult named Trillion. Then it's the 29-minute mark, or close to it, we hear Mickey's voice very briefly, but then he walks in to a little room. Well, he lumbers into the room. To me, and I'm trying to be as nice as I possibly can, you see Mickey at a door coming through into a room where there's another person. He's talking, and he kind of is swaying left and right, like you're standing on a cruise ship against the wind when the swell's coming across the sea. That's what it reminded me of. But uh, it's Mickey, so, you know, all bets are off. He can do what he wants. He has a lit smoke in his hand, of course. Well, not of course. There are movies where he doesn't smoke at all, like Body Heat. He's wearing a grey hoodie, a dark shirt underneath, uh, scruffy ripped jeans, black boots, some thin framed transparent glasses now i've seen them before in other movies the uh transparent frames they're a common thing in in many mickey rock movies if you take notice and uh his hair has blonde streaks i don't think the hairdresser was in that day that he shot his scenes because uh yeah we'll leave it at that no hairdresser on set the day mickey made his cameo and in the room with him is a police detective Uh, He confronts the police detective and she, well, firstly, she's played by the actor Tamara Davies, who I have a lot of time for. She's an excellent actor and performer and she basically walks onto a screen and lights it up. They have a bit of a a cross conversation because she's looking for him. He's accused of this, uh, setting up some kind of, um, well, he's accused of being a cult leader and getting other people to do other things. Actually, I don't want to give too much away, but I probably will in the end. When Mickey sits down and starts talking to the police detective, they're having like a a bit of a face-off with some pretty decent one-liners. He sits on on a puffy swivel chair. He's going left and right on it. But part of the dialogue in Tiny's discussion is about cows hanging upside down, and some other very horrific descriptions of other things about asphyxiation. You'll know what I mean when you watch it. Uh, It's kind of misplaced. Even though the dialogue was written by two people, I believe, this screenplay, uh, look out because uh, what were they doing? They must have had a, a drink every paragraph or something because it was quite out there. But Mickey can only do what Mickey can do if he's paid to speak this dialogue and say these lines that the writers have put on the paper well mickey had to say it that's all i gotta say 
Well, just as quickly as Tiny Frakes is introduced, he evaporates. Suddenly, mid-chat, he runs off. He grabs this door. Now, there are two doors, one on the hinges and one off the hinges. Quite uh, unusually, it is next to a wall and it's just sitting there. And he grabs this door and throws it at the cop. Literally throws a door at a police person. And uh, that leads to a foot chase uh, through streets, alleyways, down a fire escape. And unfortunately, it is noticeable that there is a stunt double doing some of the uh, chase scenes that Mickey is involved in. Very good use of the hoodie over the head and the camera from the side or the back. You can't really tell, but I did. Tiny eventually evades her, and uh, that's it. He literally does the runner right out of the movie. It's one of those uh, running in front of uh, a truck scene where bad person, the criminal is on the run and they're running down this alleyway or a street and all of a sudden a car or a truck pulls out and they get past it, but then it stops the other person in pursuit. That's exactly what happens here. The character, Tiny Frakes, uh, he's mentioned once, once more, I think, in the movie, but overall, as mentioned, it is essentially just a extended cameo, but a memorable one. And just before we finish up on uh, They Crawl and go into the next movie called Section 8 out of 2022, let me let you know who starred alongside Mickey Rourke. And his screen partner in his cameo in particular is worth noting. I mentioned her before, Tamara Davies as Gina O'Bannon, Detective O'Bannon. Wow, she's stunning incredibly authoritative, not just as an actor, but as a person. She was in Scorcher. Do you remember Scorcher from 2002? Mark Dacascos, Rutger Hauer, and G.W. Bailey was in it. Do you know who G.W. Bailey is? Well, come on. Think about it. What's the blue oyster? When someone says the blue oyster, what does that mean to you? G.W. Bailey. Yes, G.W. Bailey was in Mannequin. He was in a series of comedy films from the 80s and the early 90s. What were they? Have you guessed it yet? Okay, enough of the Police Academy march. Of course, that was Police Academy theme and G.W. Bailey was in that series. Daniel Crossgrove also is in They Crawl as Ted. He's a TV guy. He, he's an actor of potential, 
In this, he and Tamara Davies have most of their scenes together and they have a bit of chemistry. There's a little bit of um, catchy innuendo and certain friendship qualities to their acting. I think they did quite well under the circumstances. But uh, and other than this movie, I'm not sure who Daniel Cosgrove is. Ken Lerner is the other person worth mentioning in the film. The brother of Michael, Michael Lerner. Ken Lerner here plays Coroner Glenn in the autopsy lab. Yes, of course I wanted to mention him. Ken Lerner is also in The Running Man. The Arnie spectacular B-movie from 87. Jake Speed from 86. Who can forget Jake Speed? That was a big clamshell VHS in its day. And Project X, speaking of clamshell VHSs, Matthew Broderick and Helen Hunt and a bunch of monkeys going to space. Project X also starred Ken Werner. Well, I think I've milked enough out of They Crawl. So let's move on to a little bit of wham, bam, action. Well, it has its moments. Section 8. How you doing, Jake? I'm really sorry for what they did to your family. The two people I love most are gone, but I got my revenge. And I have zero remorse. Special Forces, honorably discharged. You don't belong in here. And who are you? I'm the best thing that's ever happened to you. What is this place? Welcome to Section 8. We've been sanctioned to eliminate any threats anywhere in the world. So why am I here? Look, you're a great soldier. One of the best I've ever known. Most of the agents we recruit are men and women like you who have a special set of skills. So we're assassins. We're whatever we're ordered to be. They resist. We resist back. You ever hear of them? Cesspool of operatives. Disgraced CIA, FBI. I know these guys. It's part of their culture in a way. We're assassinating a state senator. Black bag, Chuck. Please, have a family. What the hell are you doing? You agitated. <laughs> they are innocent people. He doesn't belong here. I say we take him out. He goes with serious problems, I need money and a gun. You're gonna need more than that. You I think you better get your ass out of here. I'll find him and I'll finish the job. What do you want? I want to watch you die. Yes, Section 8 was much better than I expected. Released this year, 2022, starring Mickey Rourke. Scott Adkins, who I really enjoy watching his stuff now. I've really got into certain roles of Scott Adkins' career. I mean, amazing, this guy. This British action man. He's one of the modern-day action heroes, if you ask me. Dolph Lundgren, of course, is in this. And he and Scott are producers on this movie. Uh, They were really good together in a movie called Castle Falls as well. Dermot Mulroney, Ryan Quanton. The Aussie actor uh, that um, I've interviewed a couple of times now, and uh, we have spoken about Mickey Rourke in the past as well. And uh, Ryan features in Blunt 
Force Trauma, another uh, movie that you can find on a previous episode of Mickey Rourke Talk. And Kimmy Alexander also pops up in Section 8. This starts off with a Hurt Locker type style or type of situation. Uh, then it goes into civilian mode. This is avenging of a murder in this uh it concerns a young guy jake he's a former bombs expert soldier uh he's coaxed out of prison or taken out of prison because he's there with a life sentence pretty much because of uh killing the people that killed his family uh jake's played by ryan quanton by the way and the catch is that jake is brought in to a group of mercenaries and under the radar select few snipers killers uh they're a supposed government agency in other words section eight doesn't exist a little bit like men in black they don't exist either right mickey plays uncle earl jake's surrogate father and owner of a chop shop am i allowed to say that it's a mechanics the mechanics is called Coco's Body Shop. Does that mean Uncle Earl is really Coco? Hmm, Mickey Rourke as Coco? Maybe that's a point that should have been made in the film, but it's not. You hear his voice at the uh, 5 minute 50 second mark. Then you first spot Mickey. You see Mickey at the 6 minute 30 second mark. He's sitting in a chair. He's got his feet up. He's giving orders. Don't know who to. Just giving orders around the chop shop he's laughing at something too and i don't know what i watched it a couple of times i rewound it watch it again rewound it watch it again i don't know what his character is laughing at maybe something on the phone maybe something has said something that's been cut out probably something off screen actually because if you watch this movie carefully the editing is unusual there's some editing in this that is very questionable and maybe some of the actors or mickey in particular i don't know went off script and they needed to sort of cut it together to make it uh, all work properly. Uncle Earl, Mickey, he smokes throughout the whole movie. Well, throughout the movie that he is in, because although he's one of the main actors and he's up there in this ensemble, it's not really a cameo, but he's not in it a lot. He pops in and out of the film. He has an impressive nature about him and i like it actually in one scene he's smoking directly in front of a large no smoking sign only mickey Rourke could get away with that maybe a few other people but uh mickey definitely i always like to talk about clothes that mickey wears in his movies whether it's given to him by the costume department or he selects his own who knows but uh in later years or more recent films much of his attire is classic Mickey attire, such as what he wears in Section 8. Blue jeans, black top, jacket, pointy brown cowboy-style boots, multiple rings on his fingers, necklace, you know, all standard stuff. Mickey has a couple of particularly interesting moments. He has this really emotional scene, and I want to point this out because I have a feeling that he might be drawing from his own thoughts to deliver his dialogue in a really uh, 
I don't know. It's a really sad, sad moment. So he does it in style, but I do think that Mickey's drawing from his own experiences to get the message across, and it works. He has a good speech to Jake because he's kind of like Jake's surrogate father. You can see that they've got a relationship. They've looked after each other in a way. I think you don't get a real lot of backstory. And uh, there's a strong speech that Mickey makes about this is our house and we're getting ready. So it's before this attack happens and he's just basically making a point saying this is our house, don't let anyone annoy us in the nicest possible way. Of course, it's not nice, it's nasty. The shotguns come out. There's another line where Mickey says, let them go to Beverly Hills and shake the mothers down. In context, it's funny. And Mickey Rock can be funny. Uh, just watch the movie. I didn't give it any justice there, but uh, I wanted to repeat it because let them go to Beverly Hills and shake the mothers down is probably something uh, Mickey thinks of from time to time. If you want to see a comedic Mickey Rourke, watch Ashby and then hear me talk about it on a previous episode of Mickey Rourke Talk. Let's discuss some co-stars of Mickey Rourke here. But before we do... Here is a tiny bit of an interview I did with Ryan Quanton. Now, it was before Section 8 was released. He had just wrapped it because he mentions it to me, as you'll just hear. And when he says Hugo, he's talking about Hugo Weaving, the Australian actor, because when I was talking to Ryan Quanton this particular time, we were discussing a movie called Loveland, which he starred with Hugo Weaving in. Uh, but uh, I asked him briefly a little bit about working with Mickey Rourke and uh, the movie Blunt Force Trauma. Uh, one more question about Blunt Force tra Trauma. Um, Mickey Rourke. Great actor, really is. And he had a small scene with, with you. Uh, how was it working with Mickey? And you seem to be smiling in the scene. I don't know if it was just your character, but it looked like you're enjoying yourself working with him. There was a little smugness, to be honest, uh, perhaps. There, there was a, um, yeah, I had, I, I worked <laughs> with Mickey, Mickey again this year on a movie I just sort of wrapped. Um, oh, great. Look, yeah, it, it, he's, He's good. Um, he's no Hugo. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. well, okay, so we left it at that. That was the end of the interview, and he was being uh, as nice as he possibly could under the circumstances because we had spoken for about another uh, 20 minutes or so before that. And speaking of Ryan Quanton, of course, he plays Jake in Section 8. Uh, he also was in Blunt Force Trauma, as we just said. Uh, Loveland was the movie uh, we were discussing in that interview at large. Uh, that is like a Blade Runner futuristic dystopian romantic uh, sensory experience is the best way to put it. And I enjoyed it. He was also very famous after the True Blood and during the True Blood television series. That's uh, how he got to where he is, the Aussie made good in the US and still going strong as far as I'm concerned. Also in the movie and a producer, Dolph Lundgren. And Dolph and Mickey Rourke, of course, are old mates. Uh, Dolph plays Tom Mason in this movie, kind of like a, a mentor and a helper in some ways. A couple of different layers, different sides to his character, which uh, come across in various twists. Dolph Lundgren was in The Punisher, 1989 movie that was filmed in Sydney, Australia, of course, just around the corner. 
Hail Caesar. Oh, wait till you see Dolphin. Hail Caesar. Hilarious. Rocky Four. Ivan Drago, of course, and then reprised the role in Creed Two. Uh, he was also with Mickey Rourke in War Pigs and The Expendables. 1993 movie called Joshua Tree. I highly recommend if you haven't seen it with Dolph Lundgren. It is terrific. And Jill Rips. That movie was released, well, at least made in 2000 or released in 2000. I'm not sure. It's 20-odd years old. I have a VHS copy of it. And Jill Rips, if you haven't seen it, is a combination of thrills and action and stars Dolph Lundgren. Check it out. It's a hard one to find, so good luck. Dermot Mulroney is also in Section 8. He plays Sam Ramsey kind of like an archangel character. He's shady. He's the leader of the pack, and he's very shady of this uh, this group that he has strung together. Dirty Grandpa, 2016 movie, featured Dermot Mulroney. He was also with Mickey Rourke in The Last Outlaw, a Western from 1993, a HBO original film that you can uh, listen all about in a previous episode of Mickey Rourke Talk. The Thing Called Love from 1993, also the same year as The Last Outlaw. Dermot Mulroney was in alongside the late River Phoenix. The Medallion. The Medallion is something I'm going to talk about in a minute because Dermot Mulroney was close to being in The Medallion, but one of his co-stars in this movie took the role. Career opportunities. When I say he took the role, he took it with both hands. Mm. Can you figure out what I'm saying? Mm. Neither can I. Career opportunities from 1991 and August Osage County from 2013. Starred Dermot Moroni. I always like to recommend August Osage County. Scott Adkins. He's the man from The Medallion, the 2003 Jackie Chan action comedy. And that is significant because when I interviewed Scott Adkins, and you can see the full interview on my YouTube channel, Movie analyst Shane Adam Bassett, just to have a look on YouTube and you'll see all the interviews pop up. During the interview, I was talking, we, well, we were talking about the movie Castle Falls, I mentioned before, that also stars Dolph Lundgren, directed by Dolph Lundgren, actually, that one. And Scott and I were having a great conversation. And during it, I mentioned Jackie Chan in the movie The Medallion. And then Scott gets up and walks over to his mantelpiece or his whatever you call it, bookcase, and shows me an award that he got, a Jackie Chan award, that he was stoked about. So there is a nice little off-the-cuff thing that happened in this interview that you should check out, especially if you like Scott Adkins. Although, I didn't bring up Grimsby. From memory, I didn't, anyway. And Scott Adkins is in Grimsby, one of the worst movies, not of 2016, but of all time. I couldn't handle that movie. I'll never watch it again. And Scott Adkins, a little bit like Mickey Rourke, Hasn't done a lot of comedy, but can do comedy. And Scott proves it in Mile High, a television series you must try and seek out. Who else is in this movie? Robert Lozado. And Section 8 wouldn't be Section 8 without Robert Lozado. He's got one of those faces. He's bald. He's very vicious looking. He's got neck tattoos and he's just sinister. And you'll know him when you see him. A couple of things I remember him in, uh, Bubble Boy. From 2001, always bring that up when I can. Waterworld from 1995, Short Circuit from, well, Short Circuit 2 from 1988. And there was a television series called VIP starring the one and only Pamela Anderson that Robert Lozado appeared in a couple of times. 
Before we wrap up my discussion on Section 8, a few things to note. I've mentioned that uh, Dolph and Scott are executive producers and good for them. That means they can create their own content and act how they want to act in a movie. There looks to be some uh, guerrilla filmmaking during this film. Ryan's character, Jake, he goes through Central Station at one point and the camera's from a distance and I would say maybe they didn't have permits or they thought, yeah, Ryan Quentin can walk through the crowd, no one will spot him, and he does. At one point, Section 8 is described as an organisation, a home away from home or the Batcave. I thought that was pretty significant, mentioning the Batcave. The introduction of Scott Adkins' character, Leonard Locke, it's brilliant. Nothing short of sensational when it comes to action opening scenes of a character. He looks sharp. He's shooting up and causing all sorts of havoc in this cheap casino. Crash, bang, wallop, whack. All the way. They're the words I could probably come up with more, but they're the words, words I thought of when I was watching this scene. Ryan Quanton, as always, has some determined acting on show here. He can do drama with the best of them. And you know what? After he's been recruited for this job to assassinate people, you know, he stays alive, he's out of prison, but he has a conscience. He's a nice guy, and that's very conflicting for his character, and that's why I like Ryan's acting here. Dolph is bleeding in peril at the end. He's got spurting blood from right and left cheeks. It's running down his face. But then, in the next scene, he turns his head and there's no blood whatsoever on one of his cheeks. It's clean. How did that happen? Bad editing. Told you. And could Mickey have played any other role? I think maybe he would have been good as the Dermot Mulroney character. He could have been the boss of the organisation. He would have had to have been in more scenes. He would have had to have been pretty agile. But as it turns out, as Uncle Earl, his limited scenes, I wouldn't say they were absolutely impressive, but they had their moments and he still, as always, strikes a presence. Is this movie worth watching? Section 8, if you like action films, certainly is. Just check it out. If it's $1.99 to rent or you can buy it, buy it for a couple of bucks, it is worth adding to your collection if you just want to watch a good action film with some uh, top-notch stars, in particular Dolph, the legend, Scott Adkins and Ryan Quanton and, and Mickey himself. Just have a look at it. I don't think you could go wrong. There are worse action movies out there. Well, that is it, really. That is it for another edition of Mickey Rourke Talk. What will be the next Mickey Rourke Talk episode, I wonder? That's my brain trying to think, what will I do next? You know what? I'm kidding. I know what I'm going to do next. It's called Bullet, directed by Julian Temple, starring Mickey Rourke, Tupac, Ted Levine, and Adrian Brody, among others. Yes, Bullet, one to look out for, coming soon on another edition of Mickey Rourke Talk. Well, my name is Shane A. Bassett. You can find me on social media at movie underscore analyst. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Mickey Rourke Talk. 
And uh, if you have any questions or have any suggestions, you can also email me, shaneadambassett at gmail.com. And uh, that is about it from me. Until next time, long live Mickey Rourke.